ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who do not identify as either. You might as well just go and get your headphones now, because I don't really know what's about to come out my mouth. I'm sober, but I'm also very fired the fuck up. I, I have topics that we're going to touch, but I, I, I'm in a mood. The BET Awards have like sent me over the edge. That Puffy tribute last night, there was so much, so much, so much in the performance, in the speech, so much. I could really do a whole podcast episode just on the BET Awards, but we skipped all of our openers last week to talk about the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. So we can't skip that stuff this week, but I really do just want to talk about the BET Awards. I'm not going to do it. Do it for the fun. I ain't going to do it. Do it for the fun. I ain't going to do it. <laughs> you had to be on the internet at a certain period of time to remember that shit. <sighs> what is my life update? Because that's how we usually start most episodes. I'm in L.A. I'm writing and packing. I'm in like pure professional and personal hell until further notice. I'm trying to pack just a little bit day by day. It's not so much packing up the loft that is problematic. It's packing to decide what I'm taking to Ghana. I'm limiting myself to four suitcases and one carry-on. I have complete and full meltdowns. I mean, I'm a cancer, so this is normal. But I have complete and full meltdowns over over what to pack like the stuff I want to get rid of like I'm very clear on that I don't know what I'm gonna do with it I guess I'll just take it to like the nearest Salvation Army if somebody's got a better idea let me know but that's my current life it's very uninteresting you know what is interesting I took my braids out it took five hours to put in them long ass tiny ass braids and they served me well because I ain't do my hair literally for seven weeks I, I will do it again As soon as I land in Ghana, I will go get my hair braided up. Big hair in Ghana, the humidity, do not mix. That said, it took me 12 hours to take them braids out. 12 hours. One of the reasons I haven't done anything, at least not today, is because my hair is standing on top of my head. I spent 12 hours taking my hair out. Like I was like, I'm done with touching my hair. My hair is gross right now. But yeah, tonight after I do this podcast, I need to go wash first and foremost condition. I need to go get a trim too before I go to Ghana. Not that there aren't hairdressers there, but like I need my girl and my girl is in Maryland. I don't even get my hair trimmed in LA. Like I go back home to get my hair done. Other services, definitely. But I haven't been home in a while. These, um, these ends, whoo, tons of growth though. Like when I was taking my braids out, I was like, who all's hair is this? It's a lot of fucking hair. I might just cut it again. Like I don't like having all this damn hair. It's hot. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about fun and frivolous things that we missed last week, such as our good black news. So earlier this month, Louis Vuitton had an amazing fashion show, menswear, spring, summer, 2023. Not in it so much for the fashion, because, I mean, I'm not into menswear like that. If the men are with it, so be it, was in it for the accessories. The accessories are amazing. The important part is that this show was black as fuck. The FAMU marching band, the Marching 100, they opened up the show. And this was in Paris Fashion Week, by the way. I'm reading this on Hypebeast.com. They said the show was titled Strange Math. Not quite sure exactly what that means, but okay. Hypebeast says, quote, it explored the relationship between imagination and reality. Okay. And you should go to Hypebeast.com and look at this because I can describe it to you, but you actually like need to see it. There, the runway... Hype Beast describes it as vibrant yellow Hot Wheels track. When I saw it, I thought yellow brick road from the Wiz. 
I'm saying the Wiz because it was so many black people. They might have thought Wizard of Oz. They said the FAMU marching band, they did a five-minute routine with custom Louis Vuitton gear. So their FAMU uniforms for this performance were made by Louis Vuitton. I hope they got to keep those. College kids be broke. Like, they need money. I wonder if they got paid for the performance. I know Louis Vuitton paid for them to come over. They had better have paid for them to come over. Everybody else that participated got paid. I wonder if the, if the, uh, the students got paid. Hype B says that after, after the band performed, it was then that the, it was, it was, it was quote, then that the clothes began to descend upon the tract, backed by an orchestral opening that soon became Kendrick Lamar's lyrical playground. So that's how I found out about this event. Naomi Campbell posted a clip on her Instagram page. And she's sitting on the side of the runway, front row, obviously. And Kendrick Lamar is sitting next to her rapping. And I was like, what, 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 what is this? What, what's going on? And then I was like, oh, it's a fashion show. And then I had to go look up all the details. So Hypebeast says that chanting Virgil, Kendrick soon turned the runway into a live performance that throughout the show littered Abloh's name. And remember, this is Virgil Abloh. He was the um, head of menswear design for Louis Vuitton. He passed... I believe it was earlier this year. And so Kendrick did multiple songs, including N95, which is off of his new album. I feel like that Kendrick album came and went. It came and everybody was excited about it for like a week. And then I don't hear people talking about it anymore. I might be in in different circles than where people are talking about it. But I don't hear people talking about the album anymore. Hypebeast goes on to talk about the clothes. I I don't really care about the clothes. I'm all in it for the Kendrick and the FAMU and the Naomi. Hypebeast concludes... Louis Vuitton spring-summer 2023 was, quote, a magnified playground, one which explored plenty of the now signature house tropes and virgilisms along new takes on past designs. Okay. You know, one thing I always wish Louis Vuitton did, and I don't know why they didn't. Do you remember Amanda Gorman? Is that her name? Yes, Amanda Gorman, poet laureate. She did the cover of Vogue, and she was wearing this beautiful kente cloth. cloth. It was a design that Virgil had created. And Virgil is from Ghana. Actually, I think Virgil's from UK, but his family is from Ghana. So I guess he was like British Ghanaian. But he created like this beautiful, beautiful kente cloth. It officially became part of Louis Vuitton fabric design collection. They never made bags with that print. And I was like, yo, every black person of means who could afford one of those in the entire African diaspora, because, you know, black people love Louis Vuitton, which is one of the reasons I was really happy that this show was like black as fuck. The least you could do the way we buy up Louis is include some blackness in your shows. I love that there was blackness in menswear. Can we also see this level of blackness in women's wear as well, please? Thank you. But I, I never understood why Louis Vuitton didn't release that kente cloth bag as like a speedy. It would have been genius. It would have been lucrative. They released all these other prints, some of which are absolutely hideous. I was on the site the other day and I was like, what? Why? Why would you combine these colors? That's just me. I will never forgive them for not making that bag. Is it too late? Virgil has gone on to be with the king. May he rest in peace. But Louis Vuitton owns the print. Y'all still doing tributes to Virgil. One, because he's a creative genius. Two, because the shit's selling. They would stop if it wasn't selling. That's just how business runs. But they can release that bag. In other news, Bill Cosby was ordered to pay $500,000 after he was found liable of sexually assaulting a 16-year-old in 1975. I'm reading this on the YBF. Hey, Natasha. According to reports, a jury comprised of eight women and four men found Cosby liable 
in a civil suit filed by Judy Huth, H-U-T-H. Huff says that when she was 16, she and her friend, who was also a teenager, 17 years old, they met Cosby on the set of a film in a park. They said after a conversation, Cosby invited them to accompany him to the Playboy Mansion a few days later. She testified she was in a bedroom at the mansion with Cosby when he attempted to put his hand down her pants. She said she lied to Cosby about being on her cycle to get him to stop. She claimed he then exposed himself and forced her hand on his erect penis and used it, her hand, to masturbate until he climaxed. I, I greatly appreciate the respectful way that the YBF wrote this out in a very news-like manner. Y'all couldn't just say a hand job. He forced her to give him a hand job. Okay. So again, Cosby was found liable. The jury awarded 500000 in damages to Huth. Bill Cosby has not spoken to the press, to my knowledge, about this incident. But he has a representative, Andrew Wyatt. And Andrew Wyatt did an interview with TMZ about the the jury finding Cosby liable. And he said he called Cosby directly after the judgment was read. And he said when he told Cosby and his representative, this is what his, his paid representative is telling TMZ. He says when he told Cosby he had to pay 500000 Cosby said, what? That's all? Booyah! That's your response to not just paying 500000 I understand that that's a blip on the radar for, for Bill Cosby. But if, if I, say I have 500000 to spare, right? If I was found liable for sexually assaulting a teenager, if I didn't do that shit, my response would not be, that's all? What? I would be, I would be incensed. I would be outraged. I might not say something to the press, but if my representative was to say something to the press, I would hope that my representative would be like, despite the jury's findings, my client maintains his innocence. This was an injustice of the American legal system. I would not want people to think that I was the type of person and of such disgusting, low moral character that I was out here assaulting teenagers in 1975 or the present. I I wouldn't want people to think that of me. The first thing I would say was like, I ain't do that shit. You can say I did that shit. You can say I have to pay. I may just go ahead and pay it so this whole thing can just end because I'm tired of the back and forth. But at some point, I would have declared my innocence. That's all. Booyah. Say you're guilty without saying you're guilty. Sir. 50 some odd people accuse you of doing some shit. You did that shit. 50 some odd people accuse me of being mean. To make sure you're mean. Sometimes. Sometimes. Not all the time. Not most of the time. Some of the time. Can be. 50 some odd people accuse you of rape. Sometimes. You had to go on stage at some point. You had to go shoot your films at some point. You had to hang out with your wife and kids at some point. Were you raping all the time? No. Were you raping a lot of the time? It seems so. 50 some odd people. You were definitely raping some of the time. The 50 some odd people said you did that shit. He got out of jail on a technicality. It wasn't like, oh, you know, we, we've gone through the evidence and the evidence shows that we have made a mistake with, with DNA or someone has recanted or no, you got out of, he got out of jail on a technicality. A previous prosecutor said, you could tell us this shit. And we're not going to use it against you. And then another prosecutor came and said, we're going to use that shit. That's why he's out of jail. He admitted to doing the shit when he thought he had immunity. That's, that's what they used to convict him, his own words. 
I don't think congratulations are a right thing to say in, in the case of, of someone being awarded money for being assaulted. I know there's plenty of people somewhere be like, it was just a hand job. It's a hand job with a minor. I know taking advantage of young women is, is part of the kink of it all. Like that's what he gets off on. Allegedly. You can't find somebody who's of age, but looks young and pay them to like do the kind of kink that you like. So it's, you know, consensual adults doing, you know, freaky shit. I'm, I'm fine with that. But taking advantage of like children, you were old enough to be that young woman's father and you're inviting her to the playboy mansion. You can't find no adults to hang out with and not drug. We're moving on. We need to cleanse. We need to cleanse. Oh no, this next one's not a cleanser. We didn't talk about Andrew, Andrew Gillum. I always say Gilliam. It's actually Gillum. I was, I've been rooting for this man. I really wanted him to get his shit together. Let's go to Tallahassee.com. Andrew Gillum, former Tallahassee mayor and Democratic nominee for governor. He was indicted on federal charges involving campaign contributions, which he and associates unlawfully solicited. Come on, sir. Come on, sir. I didn't know that part of the story. I thought he just, you know, did what Trump did. And I mentioned that for a reason. So in the January 6th committee hearings, this is on NPR.org. It says the Trump campaign ripped off donors. Quote, the Trump campaign took $250 million in donations from supporters. They said it would go to an election defense fund to pay for legal fees to overturn the 2020 presidential election results. But the fund was actually never created. Instead, the money went to the Save America Political Action Committee. And then from there, it went to several pro-Trump organizations, which are headed by former officials close to Donald Trump's inner circle. They raised the money for one thing, the money went to another thing. This is about the same thing that Andrew Gullum did. Except, except, this man and his associates, according to Tallahassee.com, he and his associates, quote, unlawfully solicited from undercover FBI agents during a long-running investigation into public corruption in Tallahassee. Gillum and his partner in alleged, alleged crime, alleged, they were arrested last Wednesday by the FBI, and they pled not guilty to federal public corruption charges. Tallahassee.com notes, quote, Gillum walked into the courtroom wearing leg shackles and handcuffs with a chain around his waist. The judge did allow for a pretrial release with conditions. They have a trial date for August 16th, which Tallahassee.com guesses will be pushed back. I'm going to watch my mouth about Andrew Gillum. The last time I think I spoke about him at length, he and his wife did several interviews. There was a very long one in Rolling Stone. And then he and his wife went on the Tamron Hall show to talk about that incident in Florida. In the hotel room. You know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to go into the details. If you don't know, Google it. You listen to this podcast. You know that I don't go and bring up people's old shit just for kicks. 
I talk about stuff when it happens. If you do something else and it's relevant to the conversation, I may discuss something else that happened um, for context. But I don't just like get on here and like randomly drag people. Also, in general, don't talk about stories that are not part of a, a national conversation or haven't gone viral on social media. I don't want to be a gossip blogger. I don't want to trifle in ruining people's lives or exposing their secrets. That's just not how I want to conduct myself. I feel like things that are reported in major publications or they've gone viral and everyone's speaking about them are fair game to, to lend my conversation to. So he went on Tamron. I think I might have told y'all this when it happened at the time. I talked about it on Facebook, on my private page, no less. And his wife follows me. I didn't know that at the time, but his wife was very upset with my commentary and she left a, a, a series of not so nice messages. We had a private conversation after that. So that's not even up for a discussion as far as I'm concerned. That said, I say that and I say that I will choose my words carefully because I don't have a desire to upset his wife or his family even more so than they must be at this time. I also really don't know like what, what to say. I'm like, man, you, you be fucking up on, on, I'm like, sir, like you, you fucking up on like massive levels, at least, at least unlike John Gray, like he's diversifying. He's going to find new ways to fuck up. He done did the, the cheating and I need rehab fuck up. Like that's one he's moved on from that. But I was like, sir, this one might land you in jail. Unlawfully soliciting from an undercover FBI agent, sir. I hope you got a good lawyer. I don't want to see this black man, this black husband and a black what, father of three, I believe. I don't want to see his ass in jail. I don't want them kids to go through that. I don't want his wife to go through that. Like, usually I'm like, you know, you shouldn't have done dumb shit. Like, there's consequences for doing dumb shit for some people. Because the only difference, I think, and, and the lawyers can come in and correct me if I'm wrong. I'm open to being corrected. The biggest difference I can find between what he did and what Trump is doing is he went and solicited from an undercover FBI agent. But is anything happening to Trump? Does he have 21 charges from the, the Department of Justice? They keep saying they're going to charge him with shit, but has he been charged with shit? To my knowledge, Trump is not on the horizon to be going to jail. He's, he's not been cuffed. He's not had to walk in in any courtroom, literally in shackles. Which, whoo, his poor wife. His poor wife. We have a truce, his wife and I. Last time we uh, exchanged dialogue, she didn't quite say it flat out, keep my husband's name out your mouth. But that was the overall sentiment of what she meant. I'm like, tell your husband to keep his ass out the news. Shit. I ain't trying to be funny style. I'm just like, your husband keep fucking up, sis. <sighs> I wish them the best. I, I, I wish him the best. And if, if he can't get the best, I wish Trump could also be charged since he did about the same shit. As my grandmother used to say, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. I acknowledge that the man allegedly did some fucked up things. But I'm very, very sick of black people being held accountable for shit that white people do and get away with all the time. Either leave everybody alone or, or collect everybody and send their ass to jail. <sighs> we need some good news. <laughs> Let's talk about something good and decent. But then I was actually happy to read. And I saw people be like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm reading this in People magazine. There was this NFL player. His name is Kahari. Could be Carrie. It could be Kahari. K-H-A-R. Kari? Kahari. Neither. I just looked it up. It's Kari. NFL player. Former NFL player. He abruptly retired from the NFL to pursue a career in ministry. He's an NFL safety for what team is this? Indianapolis Colts. In a post on Instagram last Wednesday, the 26-year-old said, quote, I have elected to officially retire from the NFL as I endeavor to devote the remainder of my life 
to the further advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He concluded, I am both humbled and excited to pursue the holy call that God has for my life, which brings me much joy and purpose. This article doesn't say how much he made in the NFL. It does note that he started in 14 games that he played in 2020. I'm going to guess that means he's good. That's just a guess. I don't follow sports like that. I've seen a lot of reactions to this story. Everything from good for him to like, nigga, what? Like, you know how hard folks work to get into the NFL and you just going to leave? Oh, you can't praise Jesus and stay in the NFL? Like, you got to choose? Jesus loves football too, no? And I want to talk about him because I get it. I think I told y'all, I might have told y'all on Instagram, I don't know if I talked about it on the podcast, about how when I was thinking about moving to Ghana and I was trying to talk myself out of it because I was like, that sounds crazy. Like, you're just going to pack up your American life and like move to another continent? Aren't you a little too old to be like chasing these kind of dreams? That's what I was saying to myself. And every single time I would say it, it would feel like the ground was rumbling beneath my feet, like a personal earthquake. I would get a jolt where I'd have to like put my hand out and steady myself on the wall. And I'd be like, am I losing my mind? I mentioned it to one of my friends and she was like, is it an, is it an anxiety attack? And I was like, no, I've had anxiety attacks before. It's not that. This, this is some new shit. I, I remember when I interviewed Tabitha, Tabitha Brown. But I remember her telling me like the same thing happened to her when she was trying to talk herself out of pursuing acting and moving to California. She had tried it once. It didn't work out. She moved back home. She got pregnant. She got married. Like she built a life where she was. And so she was like, I guess this is just it. Like me and my husband and this baby going to pack up and move to the other side of the country. And so she told me, she said, God jolted her out of bed one day. She was like, I didn't know what God wanted me to do. It was just very clear that like this ain't it. And so she was like, well, well, God, what you want? So she said, I went back to God and was like, hey, hey, I heard you. Could you could you give some more details so I could be clear on how to be obedient? Like, if you tell me what to do, give me give me give me another sign. I'll do it. That's what the personal earthquakes were for me. Yeah. okay. like I got this idea in my head, blah, blah, blah. I think I want to do it. And then every time I thought about not doing it, I get these earthquakes. I was like, okay, like, fine. I'm going to start making plans to move to Ghana. I'm going to stay longer. I'm going to find an apartment. Does that work for you? Can we stop the earthquakes now? The earthquake stopped. Once I started being obedient, everything just started to like fall into order. I find like when you're obedient to God and his mission, and I know I curse a lot. So people be like, are you really Christian, Demetria? Yeah, just curse a lot. Not the point. Point. I wondered to myself, because this guy is 26 years old. He's quitting his lucrative job. I want to say the NFL minimum is like a mil, mil point five. I haven't looked up that number in a really long time. So I'm not sure if that's accurate, but it's good money. It might not be basketball money, but it's good money. Seeing how this man was starting, I'm guessing he wasn't just getting the bare minimum. But he's like leaving his life to, to dedicate himself to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a hard decision. I would love to hear this guy's story. I would bet you almost anything. They, like There's some story about how like God came to me and told me, you need to quit your job and dedicate your life to spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he was like, what? I ain't quitting my job. You sound nuts. And I wonder if he had like personal earthquakes or was like jolted around or if things just started going crazy in his life when he tried to like not follow what God was telling him to do. When I was talking about this on my Facebook page, people were like, if you really think about it, if you really think about it, it's not so crazy. He could make the same money as a pastor that he's making at the NFL. He could figure out a mega church situation. He could make real money. 
And I gave them Malcolm X's line that is spoken by Denzel Washington and X. And I was like, yo, God's word ain't no hustle. And they were like, I mean, no, but yes, a lot of people use it as such and, and make buku money, non-tax. And I was like, is this really what we're promoting? We're like nobody's promoting it. We're just saying. They were like, it's really not like the give up that you're making it out to be. And I was like, is it not? It's, I'm, I'm very like, wow, that's obedient. And they were like, yeah, I mean, it's not like he's going to be broke. Fine. Fine. I'm still impressed by it. So I want to talk about, oh, shit. You know what we didn't talk about? The fallout from the most recent verses. I'm a little out of the age range, maybe by like five years, for the people who really went crazy over Omarion, B2K, Mario at the height of their fame. I wasn't really checking for them like that. Like I thought of them as like little sister music, which is not to make a judgment about anybody's music. I was just in a different place, like the things that I was listening to. But I went to the verses because I really like Omarion. Because remember, I was talking about going and I was like, oh, Marion, oh, Marion, oh, Marion. And then after I left the verses, I was like, Mario, 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 Mario. Somebody sent me a picture like, of him like he was shirtless on a boat. Beautiful. I was like, how old are you now? Like, you, you ain't a little boy no more. You didn't grow the fuck up. But anyway, so Omarion and Mario did this verses. I did my recap on Friday about said verses. The only real nice thing I had to say was about Mario but there has been so much fallout from this verses. So Omarion didn't sound his best at the verses. And his former bandmates, groupmates from B2K clowned him on social media. And Mario had clowned him throughout the night. If you have not had a chance to, to watch verses, or even if you have, it is worthwhile to go and rewatch the Mario and Omarion part. If for nothing else than Mario's ad-libs. He clowned Omarion the entire night. He is a shady palm tree of a human. Witty as fuck. So Omarion, who has previously been unbothered. You know, he was unbothered about his, his groupmate in a relationship with his children's mother. His infamous quote, I don't feel no ways about it. People were like, unbothered goals. Like, I want to be like Omarion. I want this level of peace or, or that strain of weed. Either one. In my life, Omarion is currently not unbothered. Omarion wrote a very long missive in response to his former bandmates. He referred to them as backup dancers, told them to get a job. He pointed out to Mario that there's an upcoming show that they have and, and Mario will be opening for him. And I was like, in what world is Mario opening for Omarion? Like, I mean, I guess Omarion has more songs, but the, the order of that tour may change. Given recent events, let me see if I can find this. Omarion, his former bandmate, Jay Boog, he didn't take kindly to Omarion's messaging. He said, watching you only lets me know that you were not really paying attention to what was making you Omarion. Because without us around, it's clear you can't tap back into him. You look lost, almost like you looking for us to feed off of. You are a fame hog and it got the best of you. He went on to say, quote, Chris Brown took your career and Bow Wow just took your tour. He said, if I was a backup dancer, you were a dancer with a record deal. Neither of us was singing, fool. He went on in detail to talk about who was in the studio actually singing the songs. And apparently it wasn't Omarion, literally somebody else in the studio singing. He told all the tea. This man was tired. This was, this was at least a good eight swipes on Instagram. 
He concluded with, welcome to the jungle, nigga. Hope you survived the night. To my knowledge, Omarion has not responded at this time. I was like, sir, take that L. Take that L. Because this man has come for your throat. And I can just tell by the way he's talking, he has receipts. Let that go. You should have just kept your unbothered stance. Amarion acknowledged in his initial response. He said, I've been in this industry for 22 years. He said, sometimes there are malfunctions and there are bad nights. You should have just left it at that. Just left it at that. Take the L. You had, a, you had a bad night. Let people think that that's what it was. Your brand is unbothered. You wrote that long missive. Folks could tell you was bothered. It's human. It's human. That's okay. But if your brand is being unbothered, especially if you got a book coming out about how to be unbothered, you can't get on Instagram and show how bothered you are. You got to take the high road. Even if you're cursing people out behind the scenes. If you're, in the, if you're in a group chat calling everybody a motherfucker in public, you need to continue to act unbothered because that's part of your brand. And, and then your boy, not your boy, your, your former bandmate coming out telling all your tea, that don't look good for the brand either. And right now, I mean, after the Versus performance, which I don't sometimes think that people fully understand the, the reach, the impact of, of a Versus you can make or break a second wind in your career just based off of verses. <sighs> Amarion. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. <laughs> I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I I watched the BET Awards. Part of my, my 12 hours taking out my hair. I had many thoughts, much and many thoughts. Some of them positive. Some of them confusion. Some of them what the fuck. So let's start with the positive. Janelle Monae's skin looked absolutely amazing. I have no idea what Janelle Monae said when she came to the microphone. I was staring at her skin. It looked so beautiful. And I was like, did Janelle Monae have a skin line? Like, if not, her people may want to get on that for her. Because, like, she looked so moisturized. Why is that the only positive thing I have on this list? Oh, Brandy. Did I say this on a previous episode? Because sometimes I say things and then when I go back in and edit, I take them out. I don't know if I previously talked about... Brandy's rapping skills and her cipher. I feel like I did keep that part in. Yes, because we talked about Brandy's beef with Jack Harlow. That's why we talked about it. And I was like, and Brandy said something to him like, I can out sing you on the hook and embody you as a rapper. I don't know if that's exactly what she said, but something with that sentiment. Jack Harlow did perform at the BET Awards. His set was 
I think like him being at a house party, him and then two white people and then everybody else was black. And it was just like, yeah, it's giving culture vulture vibes. I don't know nothing about this man. He might have been like Eminem where he grew up in Detroit around all black people. I don't know his story. I just I didn't like the visuals of it. And then I still feel a way about the little Nas X thing, which we're going to talk about in a second, too. But Brandy and Jack Harlow have had like a bit of beef. Because Jack Harlow didn't know that Brandy and Ray J were brother and sister. Brandy took it as an insult because we just talked about what Brandy said in response to that. Uh, But then Brandy came out in the middle of his set. She dropped like a hot verse. And I was like, yo, I like Brandy as a rapper. I started saying that after I was watching Queens on ABC, which they canceled. Which I was like, I really like this show. I like Brandy. I like Little Muffin. Uh, But I really like Brandy on that show. And the girl who played Brandy's daughter, I really liked her too. But Brandy was exciting. Mariah Carey was exciting. Because I was watching the West Coast feed and I was scrolling Instagram, I knew Mariah was going to come out. Did Mariah hit the high notes last night or that was part of the track? Remember for a while, Mariah wasn't hitting her high notes, like her voice. I don't know if she was smoking or she'd been singing too much, if she needed like a throat surgery or something. But Mariah wasn't really hitting her notes like she used to, like she was famous for doing. Um, what did I say? She had like a five octave range. Is that correct? But the notes hit last night. I don't know if that was a track or, or that was actually Mariah, um, but she sounded great. She sounded great. She looked out of context, like just looking at her in a, in a picture, a snapshot of Mariah. She looked great. She came out on stage and she's done this before. I saw Mariah perform at Essence one year. She like has to be escorted by men. It almost looks like she's physically unable to move without being held up. I've seen her do this on like a couple performances. And I was like, I don't know if this is like her choice of shoe. She likes a very high heel. I was like, is this like a corset? Like you can't walk in the corset? At which point, ma'am, just just be chubby. Just get a bigger dress and some spanks and, and call it a life. Like you should be able to walk. And if she has some sort of physical ailment that I'm aware, that I'm not aware of, tell me I'm an asshole. And the next episode, I'll do a humble apology. I don't want to make fun of anyone that has like a disability or an illness or something like that. And she doesn't have to tell us it's her health issues. If she's having one are not our business. If she has a health issue, I don't mean anything that I've just said. I, just, I wish you the best of health. But if she can't walk because of some form of vanity, ma'am. Little Nas X has had this ongoing beef with BET. We talked about this on a previous episode, so I won't go deep into it. But he wasn't nominated for any awards this year. And he feels a way because as he points out, I won Grammys and I had three songs in the top 10 of Billboard this year. And I'm black. So how is it possible that I have not been nominated this year for a BET award? And then he went and made a song or at least a video. I think he actually did turn it into a full song, but he made a video and the opening lines of the new song were fuck BET, fuck BET, fuck BET. He did make it into an official song. And in fact, the cover art for the official song was a toilet with his BET award in it, him urinating on the BET award. Before he posted the image of the BET award being urinated on, but after he made the fuck BET video, BET released a statement saying, we love Little Nas X. We ain't got no problems with Little Nas X. The way people are nominated for awards is by a group of industry leaders. Nobody from BET is a part of that group. This is who they decided should be awarded. And Little Nas X wasn't on the list. So passing the buck, essentially. I just think it's wrong and weird that Little Nas X, as again, someone who who was in the Billboard top 10 three times and is black, didn't even get a nomination. That's weird to me. 
but BT was very clear that it's not because like we're homophobes, like this is just the way our system is set up. And I've said this previously, I think I might want to set your system up a different way because th- this don't look right. Last night's award show included a performance that was based on ball culture. Billy Porter, who I think after Nas X is probably the best known black gay man in pop culture right now. Uh, he led a performance of ball culture and a little bit of everybody came out. There was clearly gay men. There were transgender, I don't, I don't know the correct term, trans people. It's people. People are safe. They did a they did a whole walk and dance and, and it was clearly a celebration of LGBT plus culture on the BET stage. And it's during Pride Month. It was the right thing to do. But it cleared up anything that people would have to say about BET. You're homophobic because you excluded little Nas X. Easily they can be like, how could you call us homophobic when we've just put a whole ball and it was a performance at length too. It wasn't like a quickie that got cut off and was like, go to BET.com to see more. One of my friends wrote about this on Facebook. So she was like, well, you know, what can little Nas X say at this point? Like, it's clearly not an issue with LGBT. Like, maybe it was genuinely as BET said. Maybe it was an oversight. I question, when did they plan this? Like, did they, did they come up with this? Like, after little Nas X started making a fuss about not being nominated and people started saying that BET was homophobic? Is that when they came up with this? And I literally asked it as a question. And I was like, I want to know the timing. Was this something that was already planned or did you make this up because little Nas X got people on your throat? Someone from BET, formerly of BET, I guess, who'd been working there earlier this year, chimed in and she tagged me and it was written on a public page. So I feel comfortable saying at least what she wrote. Um, she said, quote, I'm not a BET anymore. So no skin in the game here, but you're wrong. She says performances like that are planned out many, many months before the actual show date. Trust. There was nothing spontaneous about it. And the it is Billy Porter and the ball performance. She said, also, BT gave Little Nas X a ton of love last year. They even tried to shoot him for something major earlier this year, and he didn't even bother to show. Costing BET a ton of money. Ton was capitalized. Costing BET a ton of money in the process. So all of this annoying and entitled noise about why he should have been nominated and accusing BET of homophobia is truly BS. Again, no skin in the game here, but this little Nas X thing has been getting on my nerves. Hmm. Interesting to know. And something that I'm glad to be wrong about. If BET has an issue with Nas X because he was a no-show for something they planned and cost them a shit ton of money... I totally get why they wouldn't want to work with him again or why they wouldn't want to nominate him or honor him in some way. That totally makes sense to me. And I'd rather have them be petty. People in business can be petty and sometimes it's very justified. I'd rather have them be petty than homophobic. So I I appreciate that share of inside detail. Even the little jab she took. I was like, was the annoying and entitled noise? I was like, was that was that about Lil Nas X or that was me? Oh, dear. We have two more things to talk about. One of them is that Diddy tribute. Let's talk about the sound check. I know for a fact KC can sing and JoJo can too because I saw them earlier this year. Maybe like two months ago, I saw them and everybody on stage sound good. Everybody also was on stage because that was definitely KC and JoJo. I don't know if that was Devontae or Dalvin that was up there because they kept zooming in on KC and they kept zooming in on JoJo. But the third person on stage, I was like, who is that? And then I was just like, well, where's the fourth person? But the, the sound wasn't good. The sound wasn't good. KC sounded okay. JoJo, not so much. But I was like, I know JoJo can sing. As in recent, as in two months ago, like he was just on tour with New Edition and and Charlie Wilson. Why does JoJo sound like this? And I thought the worst. I'm not even going to repeat what I thought because I think it's a terrible thing to say with no no evidence. So I I just, I, I 
I had to wish that, that everything was okay with JoJo. I don't know different, so I won't say different. I won't even speculate publicly on what that could be. And then, like, the Diddy tribute started. Kim completely missed her intro. And I was like, is this Kim not being on it? Or did Kim, could Kim not hear? Because Kim came on stage, and then she started to sing, like, the first verse, but we were on the second verse. And I was like, did you miss your cue to come on? Can you not hear in your ear? Like, what's happening? And then I'm looking at Kim... I'm trying to figure out a respectful way. And I think the most respectful way is just not to comment. Uh, fuck the person or the people who made Kim as a young woman feel like she was unworthy and that she was not beautiful in her original brown skin and her original brown body and her gorgeous face. Because to, to go back and look at pictures of little Kim, even with the dark lip liner which was very popular at the time, chestnut lip liner. We all were addicted. But even to go back and look at those pictures of Kim, she was so beautiful. I told you the first time I cut the perm out my hair, I think I got a perm when I was 12. I cut it out when I was 15. But the reason I cut the perm out my hair is because I saw a Junior Mafia video. I didn't, know, I didn't really know who Junior Mafia was at the time. But there was this woman sitting in the back of a limousine and she had this short curly hair. We would call it a teeny weeny afro today. And I went to my hairdresser and I was trying to describe her hair. Even though my hair was unpermed, I never wore my hair natural. And I remember going to my hairdresser and trying to describe this woman's hair that I saw in this video. And she had no idea what I was talking about. And another hairdresser was overhearing the conversation. And so she was like, oh, you've seen it. She was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know you're talking about. And I was like, okay, what do I have to do to my hair? To get it like that. Like, I know I got to cut it. But, like, what do I have to do to, like, make it curly like that? And so she was like, oh, she just doesn't have a perm. And I was like, oh, well, can you cut my hair off? Like, and she was like, well, you got to grow out your perm first. But I was like, okay, well, let's start growing out my hair because that's what I want. I tell you that story because when I saw little Kim with natural hair, which sounds crazy right now, I thought she was one of the most beautiful women that I'd ever seen and literally went to the hairdresser and wanted to cut all my hair off so I could have a teeny weeny fro like little Kim. To see what she has, and it's her body, her choice. She can do whatever she wants with her body. If she's happy with her choices, that's all that really matters. But she came out on that stage and I gasped. I did. And I hate all the people that told her that she wasn't enough in all the ways that they told her that. I hate whoever told her negative things about herself that made her make that many changes to herself. She's unrecognizable from, from the little Kim that I met in, what, 1994? Unrecognizable, completely. And I just gonna move on from that. So it was like, Jodeci sound was messed up, and then little Kim missed her cue, and poor Gideon was having a full conniption. He sounded terrible. And he knew he sounded terrible because he kept like looking at his mic. He kept like touching his ear. He knew something was off with the sound. Of another friend who works in the industry, she was like, yeah, girl, they were telling me his people forgot to turn the auto-tune on, on, um, on his voice. And I was like, wait, that beautiful voice from Gideon is, is auto-tune? I want to think it's BET fucked up the sound. But I was like, he had like a full Jeremiah versus moment. Jeremiah sounded terrible. I said that on the last podcast and one of my friends wrote it and she said, you know, he had COVID, right? Like he was in intensive care. Like he was really fucked up from COVID. You know, it affects your lungs, which probably affects his ability to sing. And I was like, well, could he sing before? 
And she was like, I've seen him perform before. He could actually sing. She was like, that man was on death's door. Duly noted. I didn't know that. And I take back what I said about his voice in a previous episode. I'm happy that he's with us. I think that maybe he should um, retrain his voice, maybe, before he comes on stage and and tries to sing again. I think that might be helpful for everyone involved. I think that, that, that would be a good idea, I think. Gideon sounded terrible. For his, his sake going forward, I hope that that was the sound. I mean, the sound can go in and out, right? Can a mic distort your voice that much? I mean, distort it so it sounds like auto-tune, yes. But I was like, can it really, like, like can it make you not be able to sing? I mean, JoJo sounded, like, muffled or weird, but he didn't sound like, like he couldn't hit a key like, at all. I, I want to give him the, the benefit of the doubt. In his intro, Taraji P. Henson was comparing him to Luther. I was like, I listen to R&B a lot. I was like, who are we comparing to Luther? Those are big shoes to fill. Who who of this generation can be mentioned with Luther? And then she was like, Gideon. And I was like, well, Gideon can't sing. Like, I, I can see this. He started singing. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. The sound was messed up, though, because he missed his cue to come in. And I was like, him and Kim both missed their cue. Something's going on with the sound. Being able to hear the sound and, and not being able to hit a note are two different things. I'm just, I'm just saying the Diddy tribute. I talked about some of it today on Instagram. Just started a war. Sometimes I just say shit and just say it too plain. And people are like, fuck you, Demetria. And then people are like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. (sighs) There are days when I really hate being like, I don't know, divisive. It'd be so much easier if like all the people hated me, but it's like a smooth 50, 50. And I never know which way it's going to swing. But I wrote about Diddy and Carisha earlier today. I'm not going to recap that because the podcast is already long. But I did want to talk about Diddy's performance. And I'll be brief. Diddy received the Lifetime Achievement Award last night at the BET Awards. It included a tribute. We talked about Kim coming out. Mary came out. G-Dep came out. Busta Rhymes came out. One of Diddy's new artists. I don't remember his name. He came out. He sounded great. Diddy participate in his own tribute he did his diddy bop that made that brought me joy he also did a tribute I'll, I'll be missing you but instead of of dedicating it to to biggie he dedicated it to kim porter the deceased mother of three of his children diddy carries on one as if while kim was alive he didn't treat her publicly like pure d shit he was dating kim when he left her for Jennifer Lopez while she was pregnant. When Kim was pregnant with twins, she and Diddy did an article for Essence, a cover for Essence, no less. He also had another woman pregnant again. He has three daughters, obviously the twins that I just referenced, but he also has another daughter that literally, I want to say four to five months age difference from, from the twins. So there's no question as to whether he was cheating on Kim by all accounts. I mean, and this is based on, on shit y'all have said in interviews and then also, like, you know, obviously the two women pregnant at the same time. You didn't treat this woman very well in life. And when she passed away, they had not been in an official relationship in quite some time. The way he carries on about, about Kim Porter, multiple posts about her, and more than just like, you know, I'm celebrating the, the mother of my children, but multiple posts about his love for her, love of my life, all these things. Last night, the BET Awards, he's, he's, he's changing the I'll Be Missing You tribute from a dedication to Biggie to about Kim as part of his Lifetime Achievement Award. And I'm just like, this revisionist history 
It is the grandest of gaslighting. You really act like you treated this woman well in life. Like going on and on and on about her in depth doesn't absolve what you did to her. And then he also gave this shout out to Cassie. It's the second time he's mentioned Cassie in like the last couple of weeks. And I'm just like, leave this married lady alone. Because that's another one. By all accounts, by people who worked in, for, and around Bad Boy, he treated that girl like pure D shit. But they're all, I can't tell you the stories that I've heard about him and Cassie, but they're all bad. He treated her terribly. She stuck around for 10 years and then she finally left his ass. He's treated her better since she left than he ever did when they were together. It's a habit. Kanye came out last night, which I understand is a big get for the BET Awards, but I'm like, why do we keep giving this motherfucker a platform? But he came out last night, I, fully covered. You, you couldn't even see his face. He has some sort of mask over his face. And I don't mean like a, an N95. I mean like a, like, a, like a nylon ski mask. I don't know what the fuck it was made out of. I knew he couldn't breathe. <gasps> Sir, take that shit off. It was 90 degrees yesterday in L.A. He showed up in a, a full face mask with a hat, a leather jacket, some heavy jeans, them gigantic boots, the little uniform that he's been wearing as of late. So I know you hot. I know you hot. You about to overheat, sir. You about to have a heat stroke. You hot. And your face is covered. You can't breathe. He really ain't know what to say about Diddy. He started off okay talking about like, you know, I used to pretend I was, you know, as a producer. Then he went on to talk about like Diddy could really read a contract and like this is like he should be commended for that. And I was like, you talking about Diddy? Who like literally every single artist on his label, except Big, because Big died at 25. Every single artist on your label has accused you of stealing their money. Sean performed last night and I was like, look, how much you pay that man to come get on this stage? How much did you pay that man to come get on this stage? That man tried to defend you at that nightclub and then ended up taking a charge and going to jail for you. That man got deported for you. He changed his life around. He's now a politician. He's not the prime minister. He's now a high-ranking politician in Belize. His voice is amazing. He got on the mic last night. His sound wasn't fucked up. He got on the mic last night, and I was like, oh, Sean sounds amazing. He looks good. Performed in a suit. Made sure there was a flag of Belize behind him. He did good. He repped well. But, sir, I got deported for you. Now I'm about to get on the stage and perform for your lifetime achievement. Ain't that much forgiveness in the world. I was like, a check had to be cut. You can't call in a favor for somebody that sat in jail over your ass. They got deported for your ass? That's more than just, hey, I'm getting a lifetime achievement and can you fly in? Somebody had to pull some strings to get into the country. You don't just get deported because of a criminal offense and they just let you back in. You can't just buy a ticket and come. Who was working in BET's travel department? Somebody had to pull some strings for that shit. I don't care how political you are. Some strings were pulled. Some checks were cut. Cut the check. He thanked a lot of people last night. He didn't thank his kids. People will say anything trying to protect a man that's fucked up. Women included. Not all women. Like half of women. This woman said, why would he thank his children? Like, his children didn't make him. He made them. She said, if I got an award, I wouldn't thank my children. The fuck is wrong with you? You get an award, you thank your wife and kids. You don't have a wife, you still thank your fucking kids. How you not going to thank your kids? Also, also... I am of the belief I could be wrong. I could be wrong. The Diddy was high as fuck during that acceptance speech. I don't know what. I don't know on what. That's not weed and that's not liquor. Go watch it again. He looked high as a goddamn kite. Maybe that's why he forgot to thank his kids. People do that sometimes. Like they're on stage. They're nervous. So they got a lot of people to thank. Or there's not enough time. And they just, they just get all jittery. 
Diddy been on a million stages, but you know, I don't, I don't know his, I don't know his, his stage, what's his word? His stage persona, his stage jitters or anything like that. Again, I think he was high. I think him forgetting the kids was an oversight. That's one thing I will never question about Diddy is whether he loves his children. He seems to be an active, engaged father. His children don't be in the media talking shit about him. That's more than a lot of people. I don't question whether he's a good father. I think he just literally forgot to thank the kids. You know who also he didn't thank? Misa. He didn't thank all the mothers of his children. He just thanked him. But I was like, Misa? Misa? The, the, the mother of your oldest child who also was the stylist? Like in the early years, even in the lean years. Misa? Who been around since the beginning? Misa? Who's how you met Kim? I know she's moved on from him romantically years ago. But nigga, I was there from the beginning? The beginning. And you ain't acknowledged me? After you sat up there and rambled on for like a good three, four minutes, and when BET tried to cut you off, you were like, look, if you miss money from the commercials, I'll just pay it. I can afford it. He took his time. He thanked some people more than once and, and forgot Misa. And he said he knew he forgot people. And he said he just wanted to do a general everyone. The mother of your child who was there from the beginning, sir. When I talked about it earlier on Instagram, I left Misa's name out the shit because I know Misa follows me. And I ain't want her to pick up her phone and start scrolling and be like, how I get in this shit? I ain't even saying anything. I say it on here where I had more time to elaborate and just dedicate time specifically to that. I would feel away. She may feel no way at all. Maybe because I'm a cancer, I have feelings. A lot of people on the internet don't. Apparently, it's just cancers. Cancers that have feelings. No one else has feelings. I have more thoughts, but I think that's enough. This episode is running long as fuck. And now I got to go edit it. Be up all night. At least you're going to get this episode in the morning-ish. Okay. If you've not picked up your merchandise for Ratchet and Respectable on DemetriaLLucas.com, I'm not really quite sure what you're waiting for at this point. I told you I was closing the warehouse. Like, it's going to be closed, like, in two weeks. Like, we're done. Finito. Like, it's closed. Like, finito. We're done. No more. Nada. Empty. No mas. We still have interested men act interested merchandise. We also still have cut the check merchandise. If cut the check resonates with you, then cut the check it should be. We don't have very many of those left. But if you want to cut the check or an interested men act interested, please pick them up while the warehouse is still open. Because I told y'all I'm packing my shit now. We should give you some sort of indication that I am moving sooner than later. Okay, we will speak again on Friday. Friday's episode ain't going to be this long. Okay, not everything, but kind of close. Bye.